Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Zach Fisher of News Press Now in St. Joe. Going to talk plenty of Chiefs and KU, among other things. Not to mention, Zach and I, we went to school together at KU, so it'll be good to reconnect and and uh, share some memories uh, from over the years uh, with Zach. We traveled together a lot, and it uh, should be a fun conversation when he joins us coming up later on in the program. Joining me, as always, is Thomas Bridges, and TB is fresh off a trip to Memphis. Tom, how did Memphis treat you? Oh, you know, the, the food's always good, and, um, you know, Bill Street wasn't completely open, but we enjoyed ourselves, and... Uh, Definitely will be back. It's the first time I've been in like six or seven years. And, uh, you know, it's just as good as I remember it. Oh, I uh, I love Bill Street. Love Memphis. Good town. Glad you had a good time. Uh, I'm actually taking vacation next week. Uh, we won't have a show next week. We'll be off. Uh, I'm going to Albuquerque for several days. Uh, I'm going to go visit New Mexico. So it uh, should be nice to get away. I'm going to – you'll like this, Tom – I'm going to unplug completely. I'm deleting the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram apps off my phone and just kind of try to escape from the rest of the world for a couple of days. Should be a good visit. Uh, a little bit different vibe than uh, Memphis, though. Yeah, I think so. We'll both be headed south. I will be in San Antonio next weekend. So we'll both be in the in in the south. Obviously, I will be a little bit further, but... Uh, Albuquerque, you know, I almost went through there when I went to Utah here recently, but I've always wanted to go. New Mexico looks like some beautiful country. Oh, yeah. Uh, New Mexico, fun fact, Tom, uh, that's where I was conceived was that state. Uh, oh, so you found that out, did you? I did. Uh, so it's like a homecoming of sorts. <laughs> oh, no pun intended. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, so... I'll be back. That'll be one for Charlie to hear on the show later on. I'm sure Charlie's going to be pleased. Speaking of Charlie, uh, it is Father's Day weekend, by the way. Today is Juneteenth, uh, which is a great holiday in itself. Uh, I celebrated Juneteenth for the first time last year. Went to a Juneteenth party, had some ribs and some other things. I mean, great celebration. What? Uh, people do for Juneteenth, but it's also Father's Day weekend and uh, Father's Day this Sunday. And uh, I want to take time to open up the show just talking about our dads real quick. Um, I got to say, my, my dad, people that know my dad, Charlie Jones, uh, I mean, he's a character. Uh, he's a little shorter than I am. Um, he's got an opinion on everything. Uh, he's fun <laughs> to hang out with. Uh, I mean, Charlie's a good time. I think everybody that knows my dad likes my dad. And, uh, I mean, all the activities. I mean, you know, he's in his 50s now. And this guy still loves to fish and golf and, uh, you know, do things, uh, you know, projects around the house, paint, uh, lay carpet down, whatever. Uh, I mean, I, I got to keep pace with my dad sometimes, it seems. And uh, so happy Father's Day to my dad. Love you. Appreciate his work ethic over the years and finding ways to provide for our family. I know it wasn't easy sometimes, and uh, I know that sometimes I can uh, be – uh, a jackass at times, but uh, my dad loves me anyway, and so I appreciate that. And so uh, it'd be good to get down to Tulsa actually this weekend, spend Father's Day with him, and and just enjoy that. So uh, happy Father's Day to my dad and all the dads out there. Love you, Dad, and hope you have a great day. Tom, tell us about uh, your dad, about the uh, legendary John Bridges. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got to me. I don't know how our parents have not really. Uh, yeah, they've met before, I think, back at uh, the last time the U.S. made the World Cup, I believe they, they'd met, maybe. I think. I, I can't remember for sure, but maybe not enough. Uh, you know, old Johnny, he's uh, he's a hard worker. He's always got a project going on. There's there's times that I have to escape the weekends in Bartlesville lest I get tied into some project I didn't know was going to happen. Um, you know, but he's always got something going on. He tries to stay busy. And uh, Jones, I'm sure... I mean, I have a lot of Johnny stories, but you have uh, you have a couple Johnny stories as well. Oh my gosh! And uh, I don't know if you want me telling this on air or not. I guess I we'll mean, just uh, give it trial by fire. But Johnny Bridges makes homemade moonshine, and I well, mean, he doesn't make it. He just knows where to get it. Okay, he knows where to get it. And oh my gosh! It's incredible. Uh, th- this guy, it seems like that, Tom, that your dad, Johnny Bridges, uh, it-, it seems like he has a workaround for everything of some sort. That's about right. Um, you know, if there's a back way to do something, if there's a cheat code, uh, John Bridges knows how to do it. Uh, getting the moonshine, uh, you know, playing a card game or something like that. I mean, uh, you know, whether it's looking for the pictures of Jennifer Aniston. I mean, like, this guy, uh, he, he knows uh, how to work the system. He, he knows how to beat the system. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. Uh, that is that is for sure. He always has a an easier way to do things than, than maybe what I would, you know, <laughs> originally do. It's uh, I don't know if it's some life experience, if that's it, or if that's just uh, just comes naturally. Uh, I haven't figured that one out yet. Oh. Uh, but... Yeah, it's uh, he. You know, he's he's uh, you know, fishing all the time now. He's about to retire here pretty soon. He's just been coasting it on in. I think he's just enjoying it more now than he ever has. You know, got the garden going. Uh, I I'm trying to think. I guess by the time that the last time you came and really hung out here, it was the garden was done. But if you ever come here, it's, it's like all right, let's go check out the garden, and he'll tell you about it. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so he's he's always, like I said, always got something going on. So, so you know uh, my dad well. Uh, what would you describe my dad, Charlie? What what comes to mind? Charlie, Charlie is uh, always always got a uh, like a story, like a almost like a a parable on something. Every time I remember when you left your wallet, uh, your dad was like that darn Tyler Jones. <laughs> he was like we told him as they scurried and got your birth certificate to you so you could go to Miami or to Daytona. And it's just like, oh, he's your dad's all your dad's full of knowledge and he's always got a he's always got a story to relate to a situation, it seems. And he a lot does. of the stories involve you. <laughs> he does. And uh, you know, I forgot my wallet. Long story short here. Uh, I went with <laughs> Thomas and Billy and Nurse Mig, actually, uh, friend of the show. You got to go a couple episodes back if you haven't heard Nurse Mig. Um, and we went to the KU Oklahoma State game and we enjoyed ourselves afterwards. Let's just put it that way. After we, we were did. done working, wasn't while we were on the job, while we were done working. And, uh, and I passed out in uh, Thomas's car and my wallet fell out of my uh, pockets. And I didn't wake up till we got home, got to my parents' place, and I left my wallet there. 
And uh, I didn't realize it till the next morning. Well, I had a 6 a.m. flight to Miami for the NASCAR championship race uh, where I was set to interview whoever the champion was going to be. And so I had to be out there and everything. And uh, I leave my wallet in Thomas's car. And so then I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, well, I'm going to call Thomas just hoping uh, maybe he wakes up. I'm not counting on it, but I'll call Thomas and Billy. No one answers. And then uh, my dad, he comes up with this idea. He's like, here, uh, let's try your Social Security card and your birth certificate, which I just so happened to have a copy of at my parents' place. And they took it. And sure enough, here's one thing I learned, too, from this whole experience, um, Tom, is it was quicker for me, actually, to get through security with my birth certificate and Social Security card uh, because they just skipped me past everybody else and looked over my stuff. They did, you know, more f- thorough checking of my items, but I got to skip the line and go straight to the front. And so at the end of the day, I'm like, man, maybe I should have just traveled without my driver's license. Maybe I should just do this more often because I got on the uh, plane faster. Yeah, maybe that's the maybe that's the way to go. Uh, from here on out, I guess you also had to figure out the Apple Pay situation. And honestly, I like Apple Pay. Yeah, I used Apple Pay and I had, because uh, I was only there like two days, I used Apple Pay and I went there with 85 bucks in cash and I was fine. Uh, made that work. So a good experience uh, nonetheless. And uh, my dad got me through that situation. So thank you, Dad, for that. Uh, plenty to discuss on today's show, and where we want to start today is we want to head down to Stillwater, to Oklahoma State, and uh, what a rough month it has been in Stillwater for Oklahoma State uh, as of late. Uh, you start out with the death of Eddie Sutton, passes away at 84 years old. Uh, then a couple weeks later, uh, Oklahoma State gets handled handed their uh, punishment, the basketball team does, from the NCAA, where the team finds out that they have to, uh, you know, forego the postseason. They lose three scholarships for the next three years. Uh, They get fined several things, an ugly punishment from the NCAA over just one violation. And then you start to lose some players. Uh, uh, Yori uh, uh, Anoki, how how do you say his name, Tom? I think it is is Anoki. Anoki. It's it's, it's difficult for, yeah, he, he led the team in blocks. Great uh, player. Two blocks of game, right. Kansas yeah, City exactly. kid, um, he announces he's transferring, and now you still wonder about Cade Cunningham, the uh, top player in the country who's supposed to be going to Oklahoma State, what his future entails. And then this past week, uh, Mike Gundy, uh, and, and it actually goes back even further, uh, about two months ago, he held a press conference where he said, hey, look, uh, COVID is something that – um, doesn't have a big effect on young people. We should bring be bringing them back the 1st of May. And then he went on a tangent about how he's been watching One America News OAN and how they just all they do is just report the facts and that they're not slanted one way or the other, which even people that watch OAN would say that's not true, that it's a uh, conservative network. You know, they're on the right wing. Um, So that was bizarre, just very weird from Mike Gundy. And then fast forward to this week on Monday, and Mike Gundy is seen 
uh, a tr- Facebook photo gets out there and eventually gets uh, published to Twitter from uh, Kyle Boone from CBS Sports of him wearing an OAN shirt. And so that I saw the shirt first before I saw anything from Chuba Hubbard. And my first thoughts from that, Tom, were where in the world did he get that? Did he spend, you know, 15 bucks to buy a shirt? Did they send it to him after he voiced support for their channel? I did some research just for this show, Tom. And uh, an OAN shirt online is nine ninety five plus shipping and handling. So did he actually pay? 10 bucks plus shipping for this shirt, for just a white T-shirt to go fishing in? Who knows? Um, but it did seem a little strange. And then Shuba Hubbard comes in and says that it's unacceptable, demands change, and that he wants to see, uh, you know, that he will not participate in the program unless there's a change of some sorts. And like, whoa, 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 this is a big reaction to just a T-shirt. Um, this is a little strange. And other players start chiming in. We hear from Justice Hill, uh, Ravens running back who played for Oklahoma State. He say, hey, it's more than the T-shirt. There's more things that go on that people don't know about. And uh, you know, later that night, we see a video from Chuba and Mike Gundy where they say that, you know, hey, we're, we're, there's going to be changes made. We're on the same page. Chuba apologizes. Mike Gundy doesn't apologize. The next day, Gundy releases a video and apologizes. And since then, there's been more to come out, as there always is in these cases. Uh, Sam Mays, uh, radio host for the franchise in Oklahoma City, says that uh, uh, that Mike Gundy referred to him uh, when he was a player, when he was an assistant under Les Miles, referred to him as a uh, his black ass was his words from Mike Gundy. And that Les Miles pulled him aside for saying that and corrected him. And uh, then we hear a story come out this week, a, a player that was at Colorado on the opposite side of Mike Gundy accused Mike Gundy of calling him the N-word. And the Tulsa World article came out, uh, they found from back then, verifying that the claim, that he made this claim back then in 89, that he didn't just come up with this claim now. Um, and Gundy denied that at the time. He hasn't acknowledged that since. But what a wild week it is. And, and Tom, first off, let's, let's start with Mike Gundy. Um, you know, when it comes to the shirts, I don't care what shirt he wears, but I would say that, you know, especially hindsight being 2022, I wouldn't advise him to wear that shirt. Um, you're only alienating your players and other people out there. Um, you know, I get that, you know, probably 65, 75, 65, 70% of Oklahoma State fans are Republicans and conservatives. Um, but of that base that is maybe liberal or, you know, moderate, whatever, you're still alienating them. And you have a majority of black players on your team. It wasn't wise to do that. On Chuba Hubbard's end of things, I respect that he – you know, spoke out and had something to say. He has every right to do that as well, just like Mike Gundy has every right to wear that shirt. But on the flip side of that, too, um, I'm saying to myself, yeah, this probably could have been handled better by Chuba. He could have gone to Mike Gundy and said something himself uh, instead of you know going making a big deal, going public, instead of going straight to his coach. Um, so I look at that for sure. I would also take away, my last takeaway on this, Tom, is – with more of these things coming out the last couple of days, it would appear that 
there is a vendetta against Mike Gundy that it seems like the clock is ticking, that there's more things probably to come out eventually that you know is trying to get Mike Gundy let go or force him to move on of some sorts. I don't feel like after a week and all that we've seen in a week, we have seen an end to this uh, based on where things stand right now, Tom. Right, and it is worth noting that Kyle Boone, CBS Kyle Boone, is also the Kyle Boone that writes for Pistol's Firing blog. Uh, and it's also keen to note that Boone and Gundy have really not liked each other for some time. Uh, I mean, the, there's obvious beef there. Um, usually Gundy doesn't, you know, I wouldn't say he cares about the media. Uh, I mean, it's pretty evident. And I, mean, I feel like Kim and Jenny Carlson are just now making amends. And, and if you just listen to any of the, the press conferences, there's a still a little friendly jab in there every now and then between him and Jen, Jenny. Uh, it's, it still happens. And it's, it's funny now uh, when that happens, I get a good laugh out of it. Uh, but him and Kyle Boone, there, there have been, there's, I wouldn't necessarily call it all the way bad blood. But now you could probably say it is. Uh, and Kyle Boone got roasted for trying to keep inciting this as after the apology came out. I got roasted on Twitter. I think it was, there were some really funny ones, uh, specifically him pictured in an OU shirt. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but that being said, Gundy should. You know, I'm not hating on him for wearing the shirt. He can do whatever he wants. Chuba can do whatever he wants. If that means he wanted to go public, then so be it. If that means that he could have, you know, maybe went to the coach and and not went public with it, then that's another thing. Uh, Respect his decision to go public, though, uh, as that might have, you know, initiated the change that needs to be made at Oklahoma State in a faster, you know, faster way than maybe just going to the coach. Um, but there is still more to be let out here. Um, you know, I wouldn't put the blame, uh, you know, specifically on Chuba at all for going public with this, just because as more stuff comes out, there's stuff that even a, a, a big OSU fan like myself has did, had no idea. Um, and so, you know, Gundy, yeah, he can wear that shirt. Um, but it's, it's comes down to like reading the room and then realizing, Hey, yeah, all, you know, the majority of Oklahoma State fans might be more conservative and not have a problem with it. But at the same time, the, the fans don't put the pro- – the fans are not the product on the field. The fans are the one paying to see a good product on the field, and that good product uh, happens to be players that, for one, should be paid. Uh, two, is it a predominantly black sport? And three, you have your All-American running back, who you guys just lobbied for – Heisman candidacy and lobbied with the Canadian flag to bring back uh, for another run at a potential Big 12 title, the first chance uh, since that Mason Rudolph team that, in my opinion, underperformed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, on Gundy's part, learn to read a room. He's never honestly been one to read the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, uh, his pride gets in the way. Uh, that's just the type of person Gundy is, though, uh, and we all know that, and we love him and hate him for it at the same time. Yeah, um, I look at this, and I, I would say, Tom, that this was not a fireable offense, uh, what happened this week, but it does put 
Gundy on thin ice. That there's not much room <laughs> for error. It's um, like the straw that broke the camel's back. I right. feel like. Well, and, and there's no way that this shirt was the thing that was the end all be all. There was clearly more going on there with these players and in this situation within the program and the culture uh, that was there among this team. Um, you know, Mike Gundy's been averaging what eight nine wins a year. Um, his record against Oklahoma is so bad just just two wins. Um, you've heard some of the talking heads like Feinbaum called for him to be fired and such. I think that's ridiculous. I think Mike Gundy's done a good job at Oklahoma State. Has he done as good as he could have? No, um, but he's still the greatest coach in the history of the entire program. Um, I do think this adds pressure that didn't wasn't there before, um, a, a pressure to perform. But also you got to think, too, um, his buyout is around fifteen million dollars. Um, you know, no way they're going to fire him for this, and this is not considered something for cause. Um, so it's not like that they would get away without paying him. They would still have to pay him. So um, there, there's little room for error with Mike Gundy. He's got to keep that in mind. And it's a different time now than you know when Mike Gundy played. Uh, back in the day, uh, you know, under Coach Pat Jones and such, coaches were in charge, and it was their programs, and it was up to them to run things. And now, players have more control than they ever have before. And it's not just that they have control um, at a pro level. Uh, take Chuba for prime example. Chuba Hubbard is a guy that, if he would have come out to the NFL draft, Tom. We're talking about he would have been a second, maybe third-round pick this past year. Um, he did not have to come back to Oklahoma State after rushing for 2,000 yards. Um, he's so talented and so gifted. Uh, you know, an NFL team, any NFL team would love to have Juba Hubbard right now. He's ready for it. Um, and, you know, whether it's him transferring, you know, and, and we know that Gundy's not a fan of the transfer portal and these guys having freedom to go wherever they want or uh, the supplemental draft hasn't even happened yet. These guys have options. And so, you know, a lot of people try to blame it on the players and say, you know, oh, they're a bunch of wusses, you know, they're, they're weak and all this. You know, that's simply not the case. They just have more control than they've ever had before to make decisions for themselves. And so I think that guys like Mike Gundy and company have to adapt accordingly. You look down the road, Lincoln Riley, um, you compare how he's handled – this offseason compared to uh, Mike Gundy, it's been a whole 180. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's not having their players come back till July 1st, um, which we've seen kind of these programs rush into these COVID testing and all that, and that's not gone well. Uh, you know, he's been a big supporter of his players, speaking up for Black Lives Matter, um, and he's only been there three years. Mike Gundy's been there for 15 years, and Mike, Gun- Mike Gundy – uh, needs to adapt accordingly because if he does not adapt, uh, he won't be at Oklahoma State very long. I mean, he needs – not only are we talking about culture change, but Mike Gundy's got to adapt to what today's football is of of where the players stand in this sport right now because it's not the same control that it was just even a couple years ago, Tom. No, and, you know, power to the players. They're the one that, you know, make – these coaches the money i mean sure that the scholarships uh, could have a chance to get an education but 
I mean, if we're being honest, like a lot of these players, you know, the top players that are the ones garnering all the income for these universities are, you know, going straight to the NFL. Uh, a lot of them do go back and get their degree, uh, which is great uh, because we've seen how some NFL players handle their money and go broke um, and, and just frivolous spending on that. And I can't say I probably wouldn't do the same, honestly, given that much money at that age. But uh, I mean, that being said, the, the players aren't paid. I think that will change in the next 10 years, I would imagine, um, just because of all the money that these universities do garner off their athletes. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned having the options. They do have the options. It gives them more power. It gives them more leverage. Uh, and, and I think it's a great thing uh, that, that they can speak out and, you know, uh, you know fight the system. Uh, of sorts, not necessarily uh, a racial system or a, you know, monetary system, but the, well, I guess in this sense, it would be a monetary system because they understand what they're worth. Uh, and then they have the platform now to be able to speak out, uh, which, you know, I think that's a, a set of checks and balances on both ends, uh, which I think has been needed for a long time. Absolutely. That's a great point. So, uh, a lot to uh, figure out there. Uh, I like Mike Gundy. I hope it works out for him uh, there at Oklahoma State that they can move on past this, but they certainly uh, have a big challenge ahead for this program uh, to get out of this situation that they're in. Uh, Tom, uh, let's move on right here in Lawrence with uh, the University of Kansas. Uh, you know, Last week uh, you had uh, the settlement with David Beatty come out where uh, they figured out that they were going to go ahead and pay David Beatty $2.55 million. Um, and then when you add up legal fees, it ended up being more money that they spent with awful PR um, and than they would have if they would have just paid David Beatty to begin with um, and also ex- exposed the hypocrisy of this program. Now on the basketball end of things, KU uh, waiting on the decision from – the uh, independent committee, uh, independent infractions committee, on their decision uh, in regards to KU's five level one violations. Bill Self kind of getting ahead of things. Uh, this came out yesterday from ESPN's Mark Schlebach that uh, Bill Self, uh, his attorney, uh, has sent a notice of claims and request to preserve evidence to the NCAA last week, informing the governing body of college sports that the Kansas coach is considering legal action as a result of its investigation into his program. Um, Basically, in uh, this letter that Self's attorney, Scott Thompson, sent to the NCAA, it's uh, letting them know that uh, KU, that Bill Self in this case, is not afraid to take legal action. Uh, based on the way that this is handled, and we already know um, before a punishment is released of sorts, the big disagreement between KU and, uh, in this case, the NCAA, is labeling Adidas uh, a shoe company as a booster. That's where the core of this whole argument is, where KU says they're not a booster, the NCAA says they, they are. Um, and Self is jumping ahead on this and saying, hey, I know where you stand and where you're leaning on where this is going to go. Um, I'm going to threaten legal action. And in the Adidas situation, 
in this case because KU's going through the independent process, um, there's no appeal. Oklahoma State, they went the traditional route of their punishment, um, and there is an appeal process, and they're already going through that. So for KU and Bill Self, Tom, uh, a couple takeaways from this. Uh, first off, I, I like it that they're going through with this because this is their only option uh, in a way to appeal of sorts is to go ahead and take legal action since they can't do so. Um, I don't want anything to do with the NCAA and fighting the NCAA directly. I like that they're going to an independent panel that hopefully has some more level-headed people compared to the NCAA that's been giving out these harsh, ridiculous punishments. Um, I like that route, but I also like the option of being able to stick it to the NCAA and to go ahead and seek out an alternative um, if you don't get the results you want and get uh, punished heavy uh, in all this. The other thing I take away from this, too, because Bill Self is going this route of taking legal action, Tom, um, to me it signals that Bill Self is committed to the University of Kansas. If Bill Self were going to the NBA or going to take another job, why bother taking legal action? And remember, this is his legal team. This is not KU's legal team. This is Bill's personal counsel. Why bother even taking legal action if you're going to move on elsewhere and go coach in the NBA? We know that he's got a connection with the Spurs, with R.C. Buford there and everything. Um, this, to me, says that Bill Self is committed to KU, committed to fighting this and seeing this way through. Um, and if you're a Kansas fan, I think every step of the way, the way that they've approached this uh, – up until now, with Bill Self taking legal action, I think you have to be pretty pleased. I think that this this horrible way that the NCAA has put them through, and you can go back to Silvio DeSouza's suspension as well, uh, I, I would be pretty pleased. I think that they've taken appropriate action every step of the way so far to this point. Yeah, I think so, too. And it does speak volumes for Bill Self to to be the one to take the initiative to, to do this. And I think he understands uh, uh, what kind of punishment KU will be handed down if he doesn't go ahead and take action now to try to lessen that. I mean, I don't think you're going to get a, a clear book here, um, but if, if, you know, you just look at Oklahoma State and what happened in that situation, what punishment they were given for some ridiculousness. And they cooperated. You know, you're right. Yeah, it's shamefully. Um, so I think that, you know, Bill Self is ahead of, ahead of the times here and he understands what this would mean for KU granted if what he assumes the punishment will be, uh, I'm sure he's more right in his mind than, than we would be to guess on what punishment would be landed down. And he already knows that it's going to be severe for him to go out on his, even, you know, consult with KU and just already taking that leap and just saying, we're just going to get on top of it. Uh, speaks to the loyalty that he has to KU, and, and it's, you know, speaks that he's going to probably be still around for quite a while. Well, and think about this, Tom. Um, North Carolina, uh, you know, North Carolina. If you want to compare cases, and I know that every case is different, and you know, whoever issues the penalties is different than what you see, and and you know, everything's a case by case basis. With North Carolina, I mean. 
they had a thing there that was all on their own, right? You know, of of the fake classes. There wasn't anybody to blame. It wasn't uh, Jordan Brand's fault that they had fake classes and such, right? Um, and right. they fought the NCAA tooth and nail. Roy Williams went after them as hard as they could, and they came out pretty much unscathed. You know, it, it affected their recruiting classes for a couple years, but in no time, North Carolina was back contending for national titles uh, under Roy Williams again. Um, and you see Oklahoma State's case where uh, that Oklahoma State team, Mike Boynton and Mike Holder, they do everything that the NCAA asked them to do. Everything, uh, step by step. And they still get hammered with that punishment. All, the, all I've seen as of late, Tom, there's there's no good reason to work with the NCAA because time and time again, it's proven that if you work with the NCAA, they'll bite you in the ass. If you challenge them, that's basically your only shot of survival of sorts to put them in their place is to to take it right to them. Yeah, and that's what Bill Self is is doing. And you know, obviously, this is not his first time around the block uh, with the NCAA at all either. So uh, I think maybe you know, past uh, encounters has probably led him to this and and just seeing what other people have been dealt for lesser crimes, I guess that if you, that's the term you want to use, um, has led him to this point. And, and he knows that you fight tooth and nail and, and, you know, make the best of it. And at the same time, less than whatever could be potentially laid down. And, and for those uh, following this case, um, you know, I had uh, somebody tweet me, uh, you know, some Oklahoma State fans said that, you know, if if OSU got punished uh, with a postseason ban for one violation, KU deserves the death penalty for five violations. Here's the deal. Um, if you're trying to pick sides and all this, what like could be rooting for KU to come out of this as cleanly as possible. Same for Oklahoma State in their case. Um, yes, this conference is is funded for the most part by football, as is uh, the other Power Five conferences. But um, you know we're in a COVID situation where programs are losing millions of dollars. Uh, you know, the University of Kansas, as a as a whole, is expected to lose 150 million dollars next year. Um, you need every dollar you can get, and the worth of the Big Twelve. Even in a basketball front, I know it's not a football situation, but even in a basketball front, you take Oklahoma State and Kansas out of the Big 12 tournament, all of a sudden you got eight teams, you got less games, you got less people there. You take Oklahoma State and Kansas out of the NCAA tournament, that's less revenue coming back to the league. Hurts the league's strength at the end of the day, too. Um, so the, I, I would say that you know even if you, if you don't like Kansas or don't like Oklahoma State, whatever, Put that aside because the best interest for this league and, and for the teams involved is for Oklahoma State and and, uh, and KU to come out clean and, and get justice because neither one of them deserve to be in this position that they're in right now that they have to be uh, fighting uh, like this uh, for problems that was not even their own doing. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State, in their case, was an assistant that went rogue and they fired him immediately. KU's had to do with a shoe company that went rogue doing their own thing. Um, you know, to me, uh, the, the best case scenario is you want to see these programs uh, come out on the right end of things and get treated fairly. 
Right. Yeah. You have to, you know, even if you're not a fan of these teams, if you have a, you know, fan of a team in the big 12 for the competition's sake and, and just for the money's sake and, and just not even that, if you are a, a college basketball fan, just the, the ridiculousness that the NCAA has been up to these few past years, actually for a long time, uh, you know, you have to be in favor of the teams in some sort, you know, in some way or fashion, because what the NCAA is just, yes, there's just, they're being absolutely ridiculous. Just the punishments they think they can lay down on some of these teams uh, for minor violations and why they let, you know, other schools get away scot-free is just absolutely ridiculous. And, and for, for one, been for a while, I've always liked KU, uh, obviously, you know, we used to be an OU fan, and obviously now my loyalty lies in Stillwater. But uh, just the tradition there and the tradition, even with Oklahoma State, uh, and the tradition that could be with this Mike Boynton team and all these young kids, uh, it's, it's unfair to take away from future teams and, and the future kids that play for these schools for, uh, you know, things that past coaches and, and past corporations have done and try to get away with it just it, it's it's ridiculous it's stupid it should not be happening you know tom you, you bring up a good point um one thing that i've always been irritated with um when it comes to these punishments and such when you lose scholarships um at the end of the day what happens when you take away scholarships is in actuality you're taking away opportunities from players um you may say that, well, these guys, you know, if they take away a scholarship, they're just going to go to another school that's not on probation or not going to the NCAA tournament, you know, uh, you know something like that, that they're going to go place that's clean, whatever. Um, but you trickle it down, and eventually at the end of the day, may not be at that program, but at least at some other program somewhere, that's at least one person that's not going to get a scholarship to play college basketball. And, you know, in Oklahoma State's case, they have three scholarships they're getting taken away. Um, now, it may result in three players going to play somewhere else, but somewhere along the way, three less players are going to get a scholarship to play college basketball. Um, to me, that punishment has never made sense. Why would you take away opportunity? These kids that had nothing to do with it, um, you know, and, and these, for the most part, they go after coaches and such on this. It, it just baffles me. It shakes my head that that's what we come up with. That's our best solution sometimes for the NCAA is to is to take away opportunities for kids to go to school for free. It, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, they're all about the money. NCAA is about the money. They've never been for or about the actual players or the product that generates them this income. It's a it's a machine. That must be taken down. Uh, it's just the simplest way to put it. Uh, we've, we've, we, Jones, we've talked shit on the NCAA for as long as I can remember. I can't remember the NCAA never being not corrupt. Uh, this I mean, might be the thing that you and I agree on the most. Honestly, probably. And and if anybody else out there listening doesn't agree that the NCAA is full of shit, then you know, leave us a five star review and don't ever <laughs> listen to the show again. <laughs> <laughs> oh well said they are ncaa is such full of shit and it's not even because my team is getting handed down some bs punishment it's not even because your team is handed down some bs punishment 
it happens all the time to other teams, and it's trash. Right. Take it to them, uh, fight them, and go from there. More power to Bill Self. Uh, keep up the good fight. And uh, I appreciate his commitment to Kansas to, to go through with this. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating to watch, and hopefully it works out uh, in this situation. we got a long ways to go in this process. Coming up next, Zach Fisher, News Press Now, set to join us. And then coming up later on in the show, we had so much fun with our Big 12 football draft last week and got a lot of feedback that we're going to do another draft, except since we're in quarantine still in the non-sports world, we'll uh, – We'll do one of Thomas's favorite things. We're going to draft the best John Mayer songs, and we're also going to do our Tom Fullery story of the week as well, coming up at the end of the show as well. Zach Fisher joining us next. Making his debut on the Jones Report this week from News Press Now in St. Joe, Missouri, it is Zach Fisher who joins us for the very first time. Zach, appreciate the time. What's going on, man? Hey, yeah, uh, thanks for reaching out. I mean, nothing's really going on. Just kind of uh, getting back getting used to a world of uh, businesses reopening and sports kind of starting up right now. So not a whole lot in the past couple of months. How you been, man? I'm fantastic. Uh, Zach, uh, for the listeners out there that don't know Zach, uh, we, we've known each other, what, two, three years now, something like that? Um, oh, yeah, I three. Zach knows things about me, knows about him that uh, most of the public doesn't. And some of those things will uh, will keep quiet. Uh, but uh, to put it one way, I would say that we have seen pretty much all sides uh, of each other, one way or the other, Zach. Oh, no, Tyler, that's uh, for sure some sides <laughs> like public, uh, some sides I'd like to forget about, but <laughs> some fun sides, too. We've had a lot of fun covering uh, KU basketball with each other over the years. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, there's some great trips over the years. Uh, Salt Lake, uh, San Antonio, I mean... Those are uh, those are my favorite memories when I look back at our time when we were both at KU together. Just those trips were definitely my favorite college experience. No kidding. Uh, Mr. Jones himself, he introduced me to Whataburger uh, in his hometown. We had to stop there on the way down to San Antonio. And, man, I got to say, for the record, just going to go on the record, Whataburger is way better uh, than In-N-Out. I've had both. Whataburger, hands down. You're already Ten welcome years. back on the program anytime now. <laughs> Um, for speaking the truth uh, on this program. I'm glad that you could verify that and I could introduce you to Whataburger. In fact, uh, I made that picture when we did that live shot there, my uh, my avatar on Facebook the other day, and uh, that was one of my favorite memories is when we did, get this, folks, we did a live taste test of Whataburger on, uh, on live TV. I mean, uh, maybe the greatest moment in the history of KUJH. Uh, it had to have been for sure. That was my first bite ever of Whataburger, too. We've saved it all for the cameras. You, you got to when you're experiencing something as special as that. <laughs> it was real and authentic, uh, that moment was. We, we did not play it up or anything. Uh, it was pretty cool. And you, you gave it a good score because uh, one bite, everyone knows the rules. Uh, oh, yeah. You couldn't resist multiple bites, though. Uh, one of the things I've learned from you, too, is uh, the uh, – you're from Iowa originally. Uh, is the is the Zach Beer Challenge, and uh, one one night I did participate. You beat me by just a few seconds. Uh, for those that don't know, what what does this beer challenge consist of, Zach? All right, so let's start with a little context. You, you said that I'm from Iowa, right? We all know that uh, Iowa loves their Bush Light, their Bush Light beer, Bush Light uh, very- and Casey's Pizza, right? Exactly. Exactly. Those are staples in the <laughs> Iowa community for sure. Uh, but it started in college, uh, balling on a budget, um, you know, coming back from work or something late. 
Uh, you want to go out and have fun with your friends, but you're already a little behind. So the beer challenge is a classic four beer setup, two minutes each, finish four beers in eight minutes, and uh, you're guaranteed to, to feel good and be ready to go. <laughs> yeah, um, and we did this at Zach's house in St. Joe, Chiefs training camp last year. And, uh, I mean, and we'd already been you know drinking and stuff prior. I just felt so gross afterwards uh, of drinking that bush light. Like, that's, that's the other thing, too, that uh, how I knew, besides Zach telling me he was from Iowa, that he was truly from Iowa because of the fact that he uh, – we, we went up to uh, Iowa State a couple of years ago to watch a game up there, and he drank bush light for pleasure, not because he had to or that was available. I mean, no, this is like your beverage of choice on an, a normal day. There's a hierarchy of uh, light beer. Bush light is by far, uh, you know, it, it, it's just on top. I don't think there's no debating it for sure. Yeah, you've seen me. I think about it. You've seen me drink a lot of bush light. You mentioned that the St. Joe training camp uh, up here, uh, it's designed uh, for a disclaimer. It's designed before you start drinking, not while you're already into it. Uh, that, that's the uh, prototypical design, but I don't make the rules. Um, I don't enforce them, so you, you can just do you can do it however you please, Tyler. <laughs> right, right. Uh, whatever it takes uh, to make that work. Uh, but we've had a lot of fun uh, mm -hmm. with that. Uh, no question about that. So, and with you know the, the I said this to you the other day. It's four beers. Everyone knows the rules. Is how <laughs> that works out. Uh, I think that pretty much. There were three beers. There we go. Even better, uh, Zach. Uh, you know, first off, uh, we, we've introduced you a little bit, but tell the folks about yourself, uh, your background. How long have you been in St. Joe now, man? I've been in uh, St. Joe for about a year now, almost to the date, uh, a year and a couple, a uh, couple months. There uh, started off doing a lot of sports back at KU. Uh, back and I, uh, when Tyler and I were covering uh, KU basketball with each other, um, but uh, doing some news stuff. I shifted over to the news side. I've uh, been covering a lot of news here. The dark um, side. Kind of new, yep. <laughs> had to switch. Had to switch it over. Had to had to switch it over to go out there and get a get a job. Because sometimes journalism isn't always the easiest to get a job for. Uh, but lucky enough, News Press. It's uh, it's a great station uh, for me to be working at. I interned here. Uh, did a, a weekend anchor. Started off. Right now, I'm uh, the morning anchors Monday through Friday. Uh, so I'm having a lot of fun with that too. It's a great time. What time are you getting up each morning now? I get up every morning at 4 a.m. I am an early bird, so I've already been up for uh, a while today. Some people are, are waking up. I'm already four or five hours into work. So uh, it's nice, though. I kind of had to sh uh, switch up my schedule for that, um, but I really enjoy it. Uh, the morning news is fun. You can get some uh, uh, some new content in there as well and, and some good opportunities and, and, and stuff like that. So you wake up at 4. What time do you go live? 5.30. Okay. 5.30 to 8. We're on the air for, for two and a half Ooh. hours. Brutal. Um, you know, I, I worked the morning shift too, and uh, I got a little bit better though. I go live at six, and you'll mm -hmm. like this, Zach. Uh, I wake up at five thirty and roll in about five fifty, so just before showtime, pretty much. Well, there you go. So you have to plan accordingly. I'm I'm uh, blessed to be able to live five minutes away from the station up here in St. Joe, so I'm kind of on that same, you know, kind of roll in when I have to type thing, right? Uh, Sleep's important, right? I mean, nobody's you know listening or watching that first hour anyway. So if you're dragging a little bit, haven't had your cup of coffee, whatever. I mean, they'll, as long as you're in gear by the the end of the show, that's all that really matters. Um, yeah, the first show's like a layup line. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a great way of uh, of putting it. Uh, Zach, uh, you, you've covered uh, KU sports uh, for a long time, as we mentioned as well. 
uh, dating your back to your days at KU. So I got to ask you, you know, looking at the news that we just received this week about Bill Self, uh, that he's looking at legal action against the NCAA. Uh, Zach, not only just because we're KU guys and such, but I, I look at that and it's kind of refreshing that we've seen time and time again these coaches uh, or universities just let the NCAA slap them around and don't fight back, and finally somebody's taking it to the power. No, and you don't even have to be a KU fan to even like this. I obviously like it right. because I've seen KU be on the defense all the time from the NCAA. Now you're finally seeing somebody on the offense or potentially on the offense uh, and Bill Self there. You mentioned that people are just getting slapped around, kind of bending at the will uh, with the NCAA. Um, and, uh, well, I hope uh, uh, Mr. Self can kind of show them, well, that's, you know, that's not how it's going to be. The NCAA have always been uh, in KU's business, uh, right or wrong. Not, not quite sure with that. Uh, but it's nice to see some pushback, at least, because uh, this, uh, what, this FBI investigation as well has kind of, kind of been looming as well. And the NCAA has, uh, in our years at KU, definitely had a significant impact uh, with certain players. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of this whole uh, FBI case, uh, you know, this, uh, these allegations against KU? What's kind of your takeaways from it? You know, I'm not really sure if I have takeaways from it. I have, what, what I have, though, is, is I'm just absorbing what everybody's saying. So I'm seeing people who are like, oh, Bill's leaving for the Spurs. Bill's going to be uh, uh, done coaching at KU. He's going to leave soon. Um, but then I've also seen how Bill doesn't want to go to the NBA. He wants to finish out his career at KU. So I'm not really sure what to take away from this uh, at all. Um, I know uh, Adidas and uh, KU, obviously two separate entities. And I don't know if people – understand that all the time they always associate the brand with a team that uh, is uh or, or, you know they're in the deal with um so it's i'm kind of absorbing information rather than uh, doing takeaways sure uh, we'll have takeaways i guess after after the dust settles right do you have any from Tyler? well you, think? you know the, the way i look at it um you know we we have seen these cases before where the ncaa has never uh, declared a shoe company as a booster. That's never happened before. Uh, never fit that definition of sorts. And now you're seeing the basis of this whole case with KU is that Adidas is being classified as a booster, even though that's never been done before. It's almost like you're changing the rules in the middle of the, the third quarter of, of the game. Um, right. So now we're going to change the rules. Well, we didn't enforce it that way before. And so now you're going to come down hard on KU, it would seem. It seems like all signs point to that uh, it's going to be nasty with the way that the NCAA treats KU and gets this punishment of sorts there. I also look at, too, that I, I love the route that KU is taking of going to the independent panel for this punishment as opposed to if they were going to the NCAA directly. We saw with Oklahoma State – um, and I know that every case is different, but they had one violation. They go through the NCAA, and they get a postseason ban for uh, for nothing uh, and lose three scholarships and, and all that. Uh, going through an independent arbitrator here um, and not the NCAA directly, I, I would guess that uh, I would take my chances on that as opposed to letting the NCAA you know, uh, be in charge of what, whatever goes down here. Oh, you're 110% right. I wouldn't want the NCAA being an arbitrator in this in the slightest, just because we just kind of mentioned about how the NCAA, not just KU, but uh, just uh, college teams in general and how they seem to deliver, um, in a lot of the public's view, very unfair treatment of athletes 
in, in a lot of aspects uh, of their dealings. So I think it is definitely a smart move uh, for uh, KU just as an organization kind of moving forward with that. Um, and as you said, it looks like it's it's uh, we've read stuff, Tyler, that it looks like it's going to be nasty. We, we've uh, right. we've read a lot of scary headlines and stuff like that. So this probably would end up being a best case scenario for KU, whatever that would be. Yeah, uh, I think you're absolutely right about that uh, in that case. And and, uh, you know, you mentioned Bill Self and the NBA. Uh, I would say, Zach, you know, I'd be curious what you think here. I would say that Bill, with threatening legal action and going that route, it reassures me that he's committed to the university to be in this for the long haul because if he was just going to take another job or take an NBA job, why would you go through the legal battle of sorts uh, if you were just going to move on? That's a great point. I didn't even think about it in in that sense of uh, hinting at Bill not wanting to leave. I never was under the impression that Bill Self never wanted to leave. I always heard that he, uh, as you as well, Tyler, that he wanted to be at KU for life he, and he wanted to retire here. Uh, whether at that point, uh, what it may be, I heard he doesn't really want to coach really late into his life. Uh, kind of wants to get out and enjoy retirement as well. So it's almost like doubling down uh, with this lawsuit. And uh, as a KU fan, uh, just in general, um, I kind of I love that for, from a coach. Uh, even though he's not officially saying anything, he could be legally saying something if he goes forward with it. All right, uh, actions speaking louder than words uh, in in that case uh, for Bill Self there, but still long ways to uh, figure out in uh, this process. We'll see what uh, ultimately happens there. Uh, you're in St. Joe, which is usually the site for Chiefs training camp, uh, as we mentioned, and St. Joe does a terrific job hosting that thing there at uh, uh, up there in St. Joe. And, and Zach, a little bit different, the NFL telling the entire league that they have to host training camps at their own team facilities. Uh, the Chiefs loved going up there. Not only is it a huge blow for them and their tradition, what they've done to to make you know the most out of St. Joe and the fans getting to be up there that maybe don't get to go to a game otherwise, but also the the people of St. Joe. This is kind of what they live for all year long: is is uh, get ready for for training camp. You no, know, Tyler, you're exactly right. Speaking from a community standpoint, this would be the first time in a decade. The, the Chiefs Kingdom would not be up in uh, St. Joseph. That's uh, a lot of businesses have grown off of that over the summer. There's a lot of uh, traffic from out of the state that's coming in. There's been people from out of the country coming to St. Joseph, Missouri to see the Kansas City Chiefs play. So it'll definitely be interesting to see, um, you know, the Chiefs not being up here and how, uh, and how businesses kind of manage from a news aspect, from a kind of a, a community aspect there. Since the news is unofficially official, we're waiting for the Chiefs to, ma- to make that announcement on that. Um, but talking about from the team aspect, Amy Reed absolutely loves like the camp type of environment that St. Joe is able to provide. He's got all his players on a campus. They're literally living in freshman dorm rooms. They were set to renovate the, the freshman dorms. They had a new seating up here uh, specifically for more fans. They broke the record attendance last year. So the Chiefs, uh, they actually just signed a new contract, a new three-year contract um, a couple of months ago as well. So it was a revamp. Uh, that uh, Missouri Western was getting from the Chiefs. And uh, they're going to miss it. St. Joe's going to miss it. And I think, uh, knock on wood, I guess, looking forward to to next year with the Chiefs coming up. Well, and Zach, I was thinking about, too, in uh, this concept of, you know, the quarantine with the bubble and all that. Um, I get that the NFL is thinking about liability and such like that. But you take example of the Chiefs situation. Um, I mean, this is not – 
you know any shots at St. Joe or anything, but you're not going to be doing much if you're up there. I would think that in you know a, a bubble concept, St. Joe would actually be a, a good fit. Those guys go up there; they're away from Kansas City. They don't have the distractions and have camp as close to normal as possible. Maybe you don't have fans involved there or something, but. I had thought that actually this would be a good fit for them if if they would have gone up there for training camp under these uh, COVID-19 circumstances. Tyler, you're exactly right. Uh, that was my perspective on it as well. It kind of fit the bubble-type need that uh, NFL teams need during the pandemic right now. Um, uh, being in the dorms, they could disinfect those. The teams could be all around each other. The testing, you know, they could have requirements not to leave. They're all eating together et cetera, et cetera, about an hour north of Kansas City 45, depending on how far you're driving. So outside of the city, but close enough to it as well. That's why Andy Reid loved it. Um, so it was kind of interesting. I heard the Chiefs um, were looking to appeal that ruling and reach out to the NFL offices and uh, see if that uh, would apply. But it just looks like, as you mentioned, the NFL for liability reasons, they're probably just going to say, we're going to need you to stay at the uh, facility. But you're exactly right. It would fit uh, the, the bubble type of mindset that is needed during the pandemic right now. Well, and, and uh, we heard from Fauci the other day, and uh, you know Fauci uh, has driven me nuts throughout this because the guy changes his mind about every second it seems. But <laughs> Fauci says the other day that you know, hey, football needs a bubble concept uh, in order for this to work. That would be uh, what training camp, in particular, what the Chiefs would exactly be doing. Um, in, in the sense, you know, if we're talking to medical professionals and uh Fauci maybe say something different tomorrow wouldn't shock me it seems like St. Joe fits that mold of exactly what the CDC and these medical professionals are talking about here yeah Fauci's definitely a flip-flopper I'm not sure if he's doing that on purpose or if he's going based on what the information is that he's, <laughs> he's getting at that time and just saying it you know um but uh it is. You think it would fit that bubble? Uh, as you mentioned there, they could have no fans if they wanted to. Uh, they could limit as well. They could limit uh, media access. There would be a bunch of different possibilities uh, for the Chiefs to have that bubble opp- opportunity in St. Joseph. And if you kind of look, uh, kind of comparing, so there's ten teams in the NFL that go to different locations for the training camp. Uh, the, the Chiefs being one of those. Um, the Vikings. So they're they actually have their own training camp facility. And I can't actually think of the town. I'm a Vikings fan. That's why I'm referencing here and comparing it to it here. Uh, but they have their own training camp facility, but there's, that's their facility, but it's not in Minneapolis. So they're allowed to go to this facility because it's theirs, even though it's not their, their stadium, the, uh. the US stadium. So it's set up for, for training camp. wise. you kind of, kind of wonder from a little bit of an advantage aspect um, that uh, it's going to affect some teams in that way. Like the Vikings will be able to use their actual training camp facility while technically being in that bubble with the NFL ones. Right, right. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but year two of, uh, or I say year two, the Chiefs coming off this uh, Super Bowl, you know, uh, year three of the Patrick Mahomes era in Kansas City, 20 of 22 starters back from a season go. Zach, I know you followed this team closely. Uh, what's kind of your expectations for this Chiefs team? How confident are you feeling about them possibly repeating the Super Bowl champs going into this uh, 2020 campaign? Man, if you were uh, – I'm a betting man, so I would bet on uh, several in the next decade. I, th- I think uh, – and people have been saying very popular opinion. It's a, it's a dynasty in the making. It's certainly set up to be uh, with the dynamic uh, head coach uh, offensively uh, with Andy Reid. And uh, then you got Patrick Mahomes too. I mean, the, the face of the league, and he's going to be for years and years and 
years to come. Um, I feel like I'm repeating what everybody's saying, but it's true. I mean, the, the Chiefs are that good. I always kind of how I look at quarterbacks in terms of uh, level of eliteness or if they're good or not, right? So you got like an Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady when uh, Tom Brady was uh, his 2016 NFL MVP, Tom Brady, uh, and Patrick Mahomes. They're all wide receiver makers. They don't need to have a dynamic wide receiver to be good. They, they make good uh, wide receivers out of, the, out of what they got. So if you get him a Patrick Mahomes, an already dynamic wide receiver in Tyreek Hill, an already top-tier receiver in Sammy Watkins, and then you got McCall Hardman, who seems to be like a uh, Tyreek Hill light or Tyreek Hill in the making. I mean, these guys got the potential to be one of the best trio receiving cores in the league. Um, so it's uh, – I don't see why not. And then you, I think you heard the Jamal Adams uh, rumors yesterday as well. Well, not rumors. He, he wants a trade from the Jets. So they can strengthen up that defense even more. Tyler, man, I'm. Uh, it's going to be a great decade for Chiefs fans, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting turn, Zach, when, when you pay Patrick Mahomes, which you'll have to do eventually, how this uh, reshapes this roster because what we've seen uh, in this last salary cap and you know teams that paid quarterbacks a lot of money didn't go very far. You as a Vikings fan know firsthand – Kirk Cousins got a lot of money, probably held that Vikings team back a little bit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers there in Green Bay. Uh, I mean, that's part of the reason they drafted Jordan Love is to save some money on the quarterback position. Time and time again, uh, we've seen that you know, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, they won a Super Bowl in his rookie contract, haven't even been back to the Super Bowl since, uh, since his rookie contract. So with that being said, um, I love Patrick Mahomes and the talent they've put around him, but this is going to be quite the challenge to still keep a roster that can contend for Super Bowls uh, when whenever they give that big payday to uh, Patrick Mahomes because that certainly won't be cheap. Uh, no, Tyler, you're exactly right with it. It's almost a problem that you want to have, though, too. No doubt Mahomes is going to be the highest uh, play, paid player in the history of the NFL whenever that contract does happen. It'll be really interesting to see how it kind of uh, uh, makes out. So that's why it's good to have one of those top-tier quarterback guys uh, when it comes a day that you uh, can't give Travis Kelce the money, the money that he wants, when you can't give Tyreek Hill uh, the money that he wants, when uh, new contracts are due for them, well, guess what? You got young guys coming up. You can draft people, and Mahomes is going to make whoever it is lining up on the field that looks good. So you, you got a very good point there, Tyler. Um, but uh, I think uh, you're going to see a lot of uh, in and out uh, sometimes once these contracts kind of come to fruition. Uh, you're going to see a lot of younger guys getting mixed in with Mahomes with that heavy contract that's due for him. Yeah. Uh, any any big concern you have for this team heading into next year? Any grave weakness of some sorts? You know, grave weakness-wise, uh, not really. The, 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 they can run up on any team. We saw that the 49ers then come back against the best defense in the league last year uh, in the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter how good their defense is or how good they aren't. They, the Chiefs defense certainly picked it up at the uh, end of the year last year and into the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl champs. I can't really see too many weak points. Uh, I think that it'll be really interesting to see how the running back position plays out there because I'm seeing, uh, well, their first round of draft pick, a lot of comparisons to uh, Kareem Hunt in terms of the skill set and the ability he's able to bring to the Kansas City Chiefs. So they might have even strengthened uh, the running back room. They certainly did. Um, and it'll, it'll just be center interesting how they apply all their uh, all their running backs. So I don't really see any weaknesses. It's almost from an offensive standpoint, how are you going to get everybody involved? Right. That's a million-dollar question. Uh, how do you get all those weapons involved for sure is uh, going to be a challenge, but it uh, should be exciting to see what the Chiefs 
put together. Uh, I know you you follow KU football uh, as a fan and such there in St. Joe. Uh, what, what intrigues you about year two of the uh, Les Miles Aaron Lawrence? Puka. Puka does. I mean, that, even though he's not a Les Miles era guy, um, and you just got to love uh, Les Miles from people that uh, didn't like the Les Miles hire. This is what I always say, too. That they didn't like it. He's an older coach, SEC, uh, ground and pound type of guy when they want to see more of a spread type offense. They don't understand the basic problem that came with K football was it was just draining money away from the university. So I'm just looking forward basically to seeing more money being uh, brought back to KU football, more boosters, uh, more donations, improvement of facilities. You saw how fast the the, uh, the practice facility went up there once Les was hired. It, I mean, it went up. It, it, it seemed like it was like a month or two. Yeah. Um, so I'm just looking forward to it, just improvement of a program where it's got nowhere to go <laughs> but up at this point. So uh, we'll get hopeful maybe. Maybe we could see if we could uh, contend for a bowl in those last couple games if Maybe we're on edge uh, with some of it a little bit. But overall, I'm just excited to be heading in the right direction for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm expecting a big year from Puka. He's a lot of fun to watch. So dynamic with what he's able to do, uh, rushing the football. Second year, uh, first full year of the Brent Deerman offense there at KU. Um, if they can find a quarterback between Kendrick or uh, uh, McVitie, uh, that offense could be could be huge. Could have a very nice year, uh, I think. What say you, Zach? And uh, actually, I thought McVitie had a really good chance to be the starter last year. All hats off to Carter Stanley. He had a really, really great year uh, for his senior year, and I, I didn't think I didn't expect that. Of him. I didn't think he had it. I was like, okay, you got a six-five guy in McVitie who's got a heck of an arm, and he can also run the ball. Like, throw this guy in now, and let's just start developing uh, developing him with uh, the weapons that KU. Uh, already has in place. Um, so it'll be really interesting. Uh, Kendrick's too. Either. But I'm uh, I'm hoping it's McVitie. I'm hoping we can get a little more uh, uh, dynamic at that quarterback position and a little more of a dual threat there in McVitie. Oh, for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, Zach, we, we got a, a little bit of time left with you, so I want to touch on a couple more things. Uh, just as a sports fan like you are, um, what do you make of these – these plans of what we're seeing right right now. The MLB is a mess, it seems. The NBA's got this bubble thing coming out. Uh, what do you make of just kind of where we stand playing this waiting game and these proposals that are out there right now? Well, first of all, the MLB completely blew an opportunity. Uh, they had a declining fan base. Now, there's loyal fans. I love my Chicago Cubs. I'll, you know, I'll be a fan of them until I die, but uh, with no, in a no sports world, they had an opportunity to be the first major sports back in the United States. And uh, now they're all too busy uh, uh, talking about money and, and worrying, uh, making sure that everybody gets paid before they play. Imagine this, Tyler. Imagine if baseball is one of the first major sports back in the United States. I mean, who wouldn't be watching? You could right. never watch baseball in your life and turn it on because it's something new on television, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it would have been great to see if baseball would have found a way to, to be back. But instead, I, I think, Zach, this is going to have long-term repercussions. Uh, I mean, because e even if you play a 70-game season, best-case scenario, uh, I mean, you've pissed off a lot of people by, you know, everyone else is making sacrifices in this pandemic. And then if, and when we needed the MLB in a time of crisis, uh, to see them not step up to the plate like that, I mean, that's that's infuriating. I think you, you're going to have a lot of fans be turned off by the MLB. Uh, 100%. Uh, they, like I said, they could have brought a lot of fans in, but they definitely turned 
a, a lot of fans away there too, just because of how they're handling it. And it's just showing the selfishness of an already declining league in terms of popularity. It's America's pastime. There's a reason why they call it America's pastime because it's a pastime. It's not in the future. Uh, people aren't uh, excited by it at all. And this was a really good way to get them excited back into it. I'll tell you what though, for the NBA kind of shifting the leagues here, uh, I think this will set up really nice for them if they get this uh, end of July, uh, several games, uh, bubble in the hotel kind of going, because then they'll start the season around December. It'll get them away from uh, uh, kind of uh, mixing in with the NFL there and their regular season start in uh, October. So I think that's going to play into the NBA leagues and greatly. And I think it's going to even extend their popularity with uh, what it looks like they're doing. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and some good teams. I mean, you, you're talking about – uh, LeBron having a chance for a title, Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. There's no excuses anymore to be doing the uh, you know the uh, load management stuff at this point going forward with all these days off here. Wh- who do you like to ultimately come away with the title uh, in what should be a fantastic playoff? Disclaimer, I'm a Boston Celtics fan. So uh, it hurts me to say it, but I think the Lakers are in a really great uh, setup. I mean, LeBron, for him to get several months off and then be able just to sprint to the finish line like it looks like he'll be able to do, I think the Lakers have got to be the favorite. Now, the Clippers, it's, it's going to be a great series there. What I'm hoping is somewhat of the Western Conference Finals um, for, the, for the playoff format. Uh, but it, it, you know, I think LeBron and the Lakers are poised to do it this year. It hurts me to say it. I'm always <laughs> going to use that as a knock against him as a, for, for the rest of eternity. But I think the Lakers are set up pretty well. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Zach, uh, with, with covering news during this time, like you do, uh, and you know everybody's you know short staff and everything like this, this is a a wild time to be in the industry right now. What's kind of tell us your perspective on just covering the last couple of months, everything from the pandemic to the Black Lives Matter protests and everything like that. I mean, uh, a uh, a first, we I feel like we have a front row seat to history with with our jobs right now. You're exactly right, Tyler. I'm kind of on the on the front lines of history, not necessarily treating obviously the coronavirus. Uh, just give a shout out to all the all the essential workers that are out there, hospital workers. Uh, this is people that are making food, food deliveries, and stuff like that. Because it was certainly scary starting off when I was reading the news and we were having case counts and to see it increase uh, as dramatically as it did. It was definitely uh, I was definitely taken back by it, doing a first year of journalism, just fresh out of college. And uh, then it kind of seems like, okay, we're getting better in this situation. And all of a sudden, uh, protests and then racial discrimination, once again, uh, on the front lines of the United States, in this case, more serious than uh, it has been in in several decades here. Um, So it's definitely uh, interesting. might not be the best word, but it is definitely an interesting uh, point in history to be covering news right now. Yeah, no question. No question about it. Uh, Father's Day weekend, uh, any message you want to pass along to your dad or tell folks about uh about is he big fish so he's big uh, he is so he actually had a nickname in uh, college and high school they called him the bull he played football he's a lineman okay. but he also punted he played every position line so they called him the bull a very versatile but he can still knock you around but uh you know uh he's uh i'm the big fish, <laughs> big fish. i got a brother that's playing football in colorado right now uh, his friends like to call him Big Fish. I'm older than him. I'm, I'm a year older, so I am. But, uh, but no, being uh, the lineman, he's the bigger old. fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, bigger fish, but I'm the, I'm, I'm the original. I'm the OG. But, uh, <laughs> you know, huge shout out to my dad there. I, I love having him as a father figure, raised me right. Uh, Vikings fans, Cubs fans. And, and shout out to every dad out there 
uh, that's listening because, uh, you know, you're for, you're forming young men and, uh, Tyler, I know you wouldn't be where you are without your, without your uh, father figure. I wouldn't be as well. So a uh, huge shout out to all the father figures and, uh, young men and oh, yeah. women's no question. No question about it. Uh, Zach, before we let you go, where can people see all the stuff you're doing at a news press now? You guys are doing a great job out there. Yeah, we appreciate it. So if you're not in the St. Joseph area, uh, you can go to newspressnow.com. Uh, we have a live stream. So you go to newspressnow.com slash live stream. If you want to watch me from 530 to 8 every day, and that show replays all the way until 5. Uh, we're also we're, – so we're three affiliates. We're CBS, uh, NBC, and Fox. So if you're up in northwest Missouri, uh, you can catch out any of those three affiliates uh, for the local news coverage here. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter, NPNowFisher. Um, I post a lot of the content and stuff I'm doing on there as well. So that's kind of where you can check out what's going on uh, in, in Northwest Missouri. Awesome stuff. Zach, appreciate the time. Enjoy your uh, your Bush Light and Casey's Pizza, and uh, we will talk to you again down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. All right. Hey, Tyler, thank you much. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you so much getting choked up here. It was good to see you again. <laughs> Big thanks to Zach Fisher for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here now. Tom, uh, last week we did a Big 12 fantasy draft, and uh, we polled people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and we got a lot of feedback on our teams that we put together. And uh, we did a power ranking thing a while back, but – uh, I think this is unique, this draft thing. I think that we might do this going forward, maybe week by week, uh, a draft of some sorts. And could be sports-related, could be like today where we're doing you know music. I don't care, whatever. We might just keep on doing this week by week. But uh, this week, Tom, uh, I-, I figured we would look at one of your favorite artists, uh, John Mayer, who – we both saw in concert a couple years ago uh, in KC. He was terrific. Um, he's been putting out some classics forever. And, uh, I mean, I love his style. There's so many great things about John Mayer. Uh, so we're going to draft the best John Mayer songs. And before we get started, Tom, just just tell the folks out there uh, what what is just so great about Mr. John Mayer. Well, John Mayer is uh underrated guitarist of our generation jones uh a lot of people know how i feel about john he's my absolute favorite has been for as long as i can remember i drove all the way to red rocks in colorado to see him and to this day it's still been the best concert i've ever been to in my whole life um but probably for those that know me know that how much i love john mayer but uh for those that don't probably the biggest john mayer fan you'll ever hear from uh to this day i will I will state that I will ride that and I will die on that hill. Um, so, you know, he's, he's very polarizing. Some people hate him. Really? Uh, you know, for the, you know, acting like he, you know, he was like a playboy supposedly back in the early two thousands, late two thousands. He's turned around, changed his tune just a little bit. Um, and, and every album is always something different from, you know, starting out in like pop, to go on more bluesy and, and more electric guitar style to, you know, uh, even did, you know, on Born and Raised, did a country type, kind of a country type album where it was not necessarily uh, lots of licks. It was more just a four chord type situation where he, he pretty much effed off to Montana in the wilderness, or not the wilderness, but way in the countryside and wrote that album, uh, Paradise Valley. You know, that, that's the one that grows on you. But he was also in Montana for that. 
And then, you know, most recently in 2017, the search for everything, uh, which, you know, could be, you know, back to maybe the Katy Perry relationship. And now he's he's uh, obviously as kind of a side hustle or a side gig is uh, the Grateful Dead. Now it's now it's Dead and Company, uh, who is, you know, the Hall of Fame jam band, the legendary jam band. Uh, and, and now most recently is working with Leon Bridges uh, on on his on a few of his songs on his album. No relation. Uh, right. I wish. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he's multifaceted. He can pretty much play any genre. He did John Mayer Trio a few years ago, and people have been wanting that to come back for some time, uh, just because it's bluesy, jazzy, uh, and for the guitar lover out there, that's that's the album I would listen to first. Would be John Mayer Trio. Um, a lot of people don't know about that, but that is uh, kind of showcases his talent as well as you know. He has a Stevie Ray Vaughan tattoo on his arm. Uh, also heavily influenced by Jimi Hendrix. If you don't know who that is, then no need to listen further. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, the thing I like about John Mayer, Tom, is that he's a true musician to the core. Um, so many of the people out there in music today are just singers. Um, probably don't even know how to pick up a guitar or play the piano or something like that. Uh, John Mayer is a true musician and can play so many different things and does play those things when he sings. It's terrific to watch. You mentioned his relationships. This is impressive. I mean, this is almost on Derek Jeter level, Tom. Uh, John Mayer has never been married but has been romantically involved with Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jessica Simpson, Minka Kelly, Jennifer Aniston, and Katy Perry. And then one other side note, uh, Megan Kelly, the uh, former Fox News and Today host, um, who's who's just you know beautiful in her own right too. Uh, he professed her love to her, asked her out on live TV, but she was already married at that point in time. She said she was flattered, and she normally would have said yes, but she was married, so she couldn't. So, John Mayer, uh, that record, that batting average is uh, pretty good. Uh, not to mention, uh, you know, I guess it uh, was uh, not the. Uh you know, not fully out there, but you know, the Taylor Swift portion of that, um, as well. So I don't, I don't know if that was ever full out and about, but, uh, that is there as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So last time when I won the draft so bigly last week, uh, I mean, it was overwhelming numbers, like 70% of the vote, loved Jonesy's uh, Big 12 draft team as opposed to Tom's. So this is your chance at redemption. Tom, you picked inside inside job. And that's it. That's it. Uh, last time, did did you pick first or I picked first? I believe you picked first, right? I, I let you pick first because I was going to take Chuba, and then you took Chuba, and therefore I took Brock Purdy. Okay. So this time, you go ahead and pick first. We'll do the snake draft and you pick first, I'll pick two, and then you pick two, and we'll go on from there. So let's go ahead and get started, Tom. The the first pick in the John Mayer music draft, who are you going with? Oh, it's going to be Gravity for sure. Uh, I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, the real John Mayer fan will agree that Gravity is probably the top song, and John would also probably agree that that is his greatest song. All right, Gravity, a good choice. Uh, my next pick... I got to go with uh, from the Room for Squares album in 2001, 
Your Body is a Wonderland is uh, oh, going to be no. my pick. Uh, just a classic. Uh, here's how I was introduced to this song, Tom. I was, uh, I was in middle school, and uh, Google Play was giving away free music, and the Room for Squares album was free. And, uh, and I loved this song. And uh, I'm also going to use my, uh, my next pick on uh, – actually, you know what? Reverse that. My next pick I'm going to use on is uh, uh, Free Fallen is uh, the next pick I'll take. Uh, another classic from John Mayer uh, I'll use on my second pick. And I, I think that's every guy wants exactly what John Mayer describes in that song. You want a good girl who loves her mama, loves Jesus in America too. I mean, that's all I ask for. So Free Fallen will be uh, – my next pick. So off the board is Gravity from Bridges, and then I take Your Body as a Wonderland and Free Fallen with the second and third picks. Tom, your second and third picks. I will go with Stop This Train as my next one. Uh, okay. And then let's see. I will go ahead. There's so many great ones, and I, I obviously know the deep cuts. And so... I'm trying to find out exactly which ones I want to take here. Let's go this way, and I will go ahead and take what the other one I will take if I ever get around to living. If I that ever... is off the Born and Raised album. Um, also probably one of the greatest John Mayer songs of all time. Okay, so uh, so far you got Gravity. Stop this train if I ever get around to living. I got your body as a wonderland and free fallen. Uh, my next pick, uh, the next two, I'm going with uh, Why Georgia, um, which is a great you know story in the song. It, it speaks for itself. Uh, that song does. I, I love a good song that tells a story. And then uh, my next one, I'm going to go with Daughters. Uh, off the board. Uh, that one, uh, y- you feel it-, it almost connects you too much. That song does. Um, you know, you-, you hope that y- you start thinking of a certain girl or two, and, you know, that one I, I-, I love. So, off the board, why Georgia and Daughters? Tom, you have two more picks this round. Let's see. I guess these would be my final two picks since we're picking five. Yes. I will. I should have. What I should have done is pick one from every album, but I will not. I will go ahead and pick. Let's see. I will go ahead and pick. I don't trust myself. No, scratch that. I will pick belief. Okay. I'll pick belief and I will. Let's see. Last one. Got to make it a good one. I will pick Edge of Desire. Edge of Desire. Okay. And now I got the last pick of the draft. Uh, I'm going to go with Love on the Weekend. Um, And that's the newer of these songs I chose. Everything else was uh, in the 2000s. Uh, That's a 2016 song. I believe the concert we went to, that was the uh, album that of We Saw that day love on the weekend so yeah the search for everything is uh 
That was that album. Oh, that's it. Okay, you're right. Yeah. You're, well, I mean that it, that song is on that album. Okay, yes. right. You're, you're right. That was the lead single off of that album. You're right. So there's our rosters. Uh, I got your body is a wonder fl- wonder uh, land. Uh, Free Fallen, Why Georgia, Daughters, Love on the Weekend. Tom got Gravity, Stop This Train, If I Ever Get Around to Living, Belief, and Edge of Desire. Tom, uh, what do you think of my squad, by the way? Let's start there. You know, I don't, Daughters, that, I tell you one pick that I absolutely don't like, and it's my least favorite John Mayer song, is Body is a Wonderland. Really? It's, it's my least, yeah, it's my least favorite. I was sure, I knew you were going to take it first. But it's my least favorite because it's potentially the most well known, and that's what people know John for. Okay, just as John, I'm a John purist. Um, Fair enough. But love on the weekend is it is a nice little ditty. Daughters is obviously a classic. I would probably say the best one on your list is Why Georgia though. Okay, um, your list very different from mine. Tell me about your five. All right, so gravity. Gravity in and of itself is a just a battle between you and what's going on around you or in your mind. And John, there's several interviews where John discusses it, uh, that that he plays that song. There's specifically one in Nashville uh, where he actually describes it and uh, cries on stage um, with everything going on around him. Um, and then if I ever get around to living... If you want to listen to that, if you'd never have, it's a uh, just a song about realizing where you are in life and realizing like, all right, what else is there out there? And there's a specific line that says, uh, you know, you're hiding in your mind, working all the time, trying to make it better than you got it. And you've been spending all your time searching for a sign that's never going to look the way you want it. And uh, if I ever get a tattoo, that will be my first one. Uh, in some form or fashion. Edge of Desire, uh, if you listen to that one, that's on Battle Studies. That is uh, just a song about a relationship that's kind of dying out. And, uh, you know, you don't know necessarily what's next. And uh, uh, it's just a very deep song. And that's usually everyone's favorite song on Battle Studies. Uh, Belief. Uh, almost, it's very similar to waiting on the world to change, uh, but in a different sense that belief is a beautiful armor. Like you can have a belief and it's your opinion and it's cool that we can do that, but it makes for the heaviest sword, like punching underwater. You never know who you're, you, you're fighting for. And, uh, there's a, you know, it says towards the end of the song, uh, about what belief can do. And he puts... He says, "Belief can put a thousand children in the sand. Belief can put a folded belief puts a folded flag in his mother's hand, which is like soldiers going off to fight a war. That's based on political movements and and you know fight for here recently oil money uh, over in Iraq and Iran uh, and and using that base to to cover up the real meaning of why we're going over there fighting and not necessarily." all about terrorism, but also oil money and uh, wealth. But a little deeper meaning, we could get a whole philosophy chat, but the uh, the other one that I had picked to stop this train, and uh, if you listen to that, I, that's probably my second favorite John Mayer song behind 
um, gravity and probably if I ever get around to living somewhere in that mix. But that song specifically is about getting older, watching your parents grow old and die. It's very sad. Uh, but you know, you know, you're never going to stop the train. It's, you know, life's going to keep moving on. Uh, also probably one of the harder guitar songs that I've ever attempted to play. Uh, but yeah, those are my five. Obviously I've very, it's very meticulous on my part. I like it. I like the effort. Um, and you know, the fact that we can have these 10 selected and, we could have gone so many rounds with this. There's so many songs to choose from, so many classics. Uh, but I got to say, Tom, uh, my five, the the only one from your list that I didn't get was uh, was Gravity. Um, I would have swapped out Gravity for Love on the Weekend. Um, but, I mean, that was your number one pick anyway. But other right. than that, like, I'm very happy. I got five of the six I wanted. So uh, this this draft results, when when we get asked the folks uh, which one they like better, uh, I mean, this is going to be pretty fair. I mean, like that, that Big 12 gra- draft, I think both of us each got players the other guy wanted. In this case, we're pretty set. This These identify us pretty well, uh, these songs uh, on that end. So... Uh, vote right. on those. There's, there's a lot to grab from from the John Mayer draft and the Big 12 one. You almost at one point, if the other person <laughs> got one, you're grasping at straws. Right, right. Uh, there's a lot more variety in the John Mayer draft than the uh, Big 12 draft. But we encourage you to vote. Uh, we'll have this on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that. Uh, feel free to chime in and tell us what you think. Who won the John Mayer song draft? And uh, we'll do if this goes well. We'll do another draft uh, here in a couple of weeks. We're off the air next week. Uh, I'll be on vacation, but when we come back, uh, maybe do another draft of some sorts. Tom, uh, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Where are we headed this time? So uh, we are going to a uh, village. Then I, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong. I believe this is somewhere in India. Uh, article reads: Snake bites man in Gujarat. I think that's how you pronounce it. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Man bites it back. Both die. <laughs> the incident happened on Saturday afternoon in Anjawa village in San Trumper some, I don't know. Sorry. I, I don't, I don't speak Hindi, uh, over 120 k- kilometers from this place, uh, from what I assume is a capital city in this probably area in India. A 60 year old man died from a snake bite in the Mahiz district, but not before he bit it back and killed the reptile too. a village official said Monday. Incident happened on Saturday afternoon in Anjawa Village in San Trapper, said the head of the village over 120 kilometers from Gujarat. That's about 75 uh, miles, by the way, for the Americans at home. The American system. Uh, there you go. The Parvat Galabari. I don't. I have no idea. You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm looking at this. I feel like I'm reading this the same way uh, Dave Portnoy would. Uh, was standing near a spot where Maisie was being loaded. Uh, from a field onto a truck, a snake slithered out, and while others there ran away, he continued to stand claiming he had caught snakes earlier, the village head said. He grabbed the snake, which retaliated by biting him on the hands and face. However, part of it bit it back and killed the snake, too. He was rushed to the hospital in Lunawada town and then shifted to a bigger medical facility 
and Godera, but later died in the day from the venom injected into him by the snake. Um, Jones it didn't say what kind of snake. I'm looking at it. If the picture has anything to do, it obviously looks like one of those snakes that could definitely kill you. Um, Jones, he... Yeah, I mean, at this point in time, uh, he didn't, you know, beat it into the ground. The man literally bit the snake. Jones, I mean... Obviously, foolishness, because over there, there's some snakes over there that kill you in 15 minutes. I mean, sure, we have, like, copperheads here, but they have cobras over there. You know, stuff that we, you know, snakes over there, we don't even have the antivenom necessarily over here for. Or if we do, it's very limited quantities. Um, Jones, this guy, I feel like, knew it bit him. And then once it did, he was just going to go out like a G. Why not, right? I mean, if you're already at that point, uh, I mean, you're just going all in uh, pretty much. Tom, I don't know if you know this, but, like, I'm not afraid of very many things. Uh, I mean, you know how I approach life. You know, I just go full throttle, and I don't let anybody get in my way. Uh, There is one thing. Yeah, I know that. (laughs) There is one thing that I will back off from that I don't want anything to do with, and that's snakes. I am terrified of snakes. Really? Yes. Um, one time, I actually, uh, and this probably f- goes back from living in Oregon and such, like, I've been in the water and seen snakes and such. And uh, just knowing all the horror stories, like, my, my uncle got bit by a poisonous snake, and they had to like rush him to the emergency room and get the poison out and everything like that is something I will not mess with is uh, I, I have like a respect for for snakes of some sorts. So you're telling me if there was a barrier at a NASCAR race and they said, listen, um, we're not going to jump over. If the, if the other side of the barrier had a, a moat of snakes, you would just, you would pass. I would say I'm watching the race on TV. Thanks guys. Right. <laughs> you, so you're telling me even a python at the zoo, you would not hold it? Uh, probably not. Um, I, I would have to have some great protection around me of some sorts. I would. There would have to be a lot of trust there for me to give in to even touching the snake. Would you now? Would you wrap a python at the zoo around your neck for to get a water burger in Lawrence? Uh, not even for Whataburger. No way. Oh man. Okay. So I don't like snakes, serious. and I don't like petting zoos. No. Oh, that's right. We talked about this. Cause didn't uh, I feel like there was a story in Muskogee where a ze- uh, a man killed a zebra, or a zebra killed a man, or something like that happened at a petting zoo. Yes. That's true. You are not a fan of the petting zoos the same way I'm not a fan of mayonnaise. Yeah. Um, in a petting zoo with mayonnaise, that'd be a, like a, a deal breaker be for a both nightmare. of us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I don't want uh, uh, anything to do with with that. Uh, that is not up my alley is a snakes. Uh, that is one thing I will not touch. What, what do you think of snakes, Tom? You know, I am more afraid of spiders. If a spider got on me, if it's a small one, I don't have a problem with it. If it's anything the size of like a normal house wolf spider, uh, it's over. It's game over. They just give me the shivers. Snakes, however, I am cautious, obviously, with like maybe a water moccasin or a copperhead. But 
uh, you know, a simple garden snake or a black snake, I have no qualms about grabbing and picking it up. Oh. Uh, I can see them. I can see where their mouth is. I can hear them. I can. They're big enough. To, I can stay out of their way. Spiders, though, you know, snakes don't necessarily creep inside your house. I mean, they have, but it's not a common occurrence where they could be under the covers when you get in bed. I mean, um, it could happen, but it's obviously more, uh, you know, more so uh spiders that way and uh snakes though i can do i've held some frozen snakes uh frozen yes uh we had some friends growing up that would trap snakes and they would put them in the freezer um and get this here's a fun fact about snakes um i think we referenced austin powers freezing himself last week um right yeah (laughs) a snake if you freeze a snake when they unfreeze, it's back to life. It's not dead when it's frozen. Now, I wonder what temperature, and I mean, if you put one in, like, uh, you know, a freezer full of dry ice, I don't know if it'd come back from that. Right. But, right. I do, yeah. They can definitely do that. Wouldn't that be something you hold it and it comes back to life in your hands? Right. It, it just You got warm hands uh, and it, you melt it yourself or something. Uh, right. <laughs> That would be wild. Um, in, in this guy's case, uh, I mean, this would be a painful way to go. Tom, if if I'm not going to die of natural causes, I want it to be as painless as possible. Like, you know, just be over with. Like, this could not have been something that was an easy death to, to deal with. Right, yeah. I mean, it's just like... Uh, I mean, at that point in time, I think he probably knew he was he was a gunner. I mean, after it bites you several times in the hands and then in the face, uh, I mean, I think at this point this guy's going out like a G, and just said, "Listen, I'm I'm gonna bite the out of the snake too." Uh, I mean, why he didn't get away? I mean, obviously, over you know, in a country full of venomous snakes, like specifically like cobras and vipers and things like that that we don't have it in, in America. Uh, I mean, that that hide in haystacks and different little nooks and crannies that these people go. Uh, I mean, I mean, you got to know the risk. And this guy just said, well, you know, maybe trying to show off. Well, I'm not afraid of a snake. It bit him. And then he knew he was a gunner and just said, well, I'm just going to bite this thing back. I admire it if that's the case. How's Tom Brady going to deal with all the vipers in Tampa? <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> vipers are canceled now. Oh, shout out uh, XFL Vipers, RIP. Uh, the, the one team. Isn't that, that would, the, isn't that the team that Cornelius played on? That was. Corndog it played was. for the Vipers. Yep. There you go. RIP. That's why the league folded because Taylor Cornelius actually had to play professional football for somebody. Uh, yeah. And 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 coronavirus too. Um, Gosh, but that is uh, snakes is something I won't touch. That's uh, that's a painful way to go out. But uh, man, uh, that is uh, something I do not envy. Uh, Hope his family is okay dealing with all this. When I go to New Mexico next week for vacation, Tom, I feel like this is something I have to keep my eye out on. Like I'm going to go hiking and such. Uh, you know, you don't think about that in Kansas or even Oklahoma. I guess I'm going to have to keep that in mind. There could be snakes or uh, some stuff like that since I'll be out in the middle of the desert. Right. You know, I only saw one snake during my time, and it wasn't even in the Utah desert. It was in Colorado, just a small black snake 
went across the hiking path in front of me. Um, that was it, though. I didn't see any. And I'm sure there were, though. You know, I'm sure they're everywhere, and I just obviously didn't see them. I uh, was was watching out for spiders, not snakes. That's good. Glad you're okay. On that note, let's uh, get out of here. Big thanks to uh, Zach Fisher for joining us. Give him a follow. All the great work he's doing up in St. Joe. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group. Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, and uh, at TJ Media Group. Uh, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas. You can find us there. Off next week, uh, we're both taking vacation. We're uh, both going to go experience the Southwest. Uh, Tom's off to San Antonio. I'll be in Albuquerque, and then uh, we'll be back the following week. So enjoy uh, the next week, everybody. Stay safe. We'll see you here in a couple weeks uh, as we return from our vacations here on the Jones Report. For Zach Fisher and Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you in a couple weeks. The Jones Report. F*** yeah.